So this morning, I am, hey, welcome, Bryce. Good to see you this morning. I am extremely excited to introduce to you somebody who uh, I have had the, the privilege and the honor of getting close to over these past few months. I met her, what, about a year ago, maybe, when we were just meeting in the coffee shop. Her and a, uh, another friend of mine stopped by, and then Nick ended up stopping by at some point, too. And, and then, as you guys know, I've uh, had the privilege to speak with Nick and his his team, his Speak Love team in schools over the past couple of months. And one of the people on that team that I've gotten close to is our guest this morning, our guest of honor. And Alyssa has become, she's not only, okay, so here's the thing about Alyssa. Not only is she a phenomenal speaker, but God has given her a story that she uses as the platform to speak from. And God has gifted her in such a way of communicating to people. Uh, We were just talking back here before we came out and we prayed with her. She takes an auditorium of 900 people and speaks to the one. Like she creates moments with with a mass audience to to create intimacy and speak to the individuals that she needs to speak to. And this morning I'm excited because she has the opportunity to speak directly at some of y'all. And so get ready and please put your hands together and give a warm tapestry welcome to Miss Alyssa Nichols. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I've only been at Tapestry um, one other time. It was a few months ago uh, to visit because Spencer preaches here. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, My name is Alyssa. I actually go to Northern Kentucky University just to kind of give you guys like a um, a pre of kind of like who I am. I go to Northern Kentucky University and I'm actually studying uh, media broadcasting. So production and film, my goal and my dream is to be able to um, produce and draw. I feel really vulnerable today, y'all. So if I start crying, it's just because I feel the Lord. This happens a lot when I preach. Um, So I go to Northern Kentucky University, and I am studying to become a producer and a director. And my heart and my soul is to one day be able to capture videos and capture testimonies that are really, really raw and really, really deep. And out of those testimonies, I really want to be able to give other people hope when they see those videos. So that way, I know that my generation is constantly living on social media. They're constantly living online. And my heart and my soul is that when somebody else my age or when somebody else my brother's age gets on social media and sees the stuff that's being posted, instead of taking their life, they feel hope. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, And I feel so called to share my testimony this morning. So that's kind of what I'm going to do. And then we'll dive into a little bit of a word that I have. And I just really want all of us today to feel like we're just kind of in Jesus' living room. Instead of feeling like we're we're in a sanctuary or necessarily feeling like we have to be in a place where everything's organized, I really pray that this morning, whatever it is that Jesus has to say for your heart or whatever it is that he has to say for my heart, um, that we can all just gather together and kind of feel like we're in his living room this morning. Amen. Um, So... I originally grew up in a town called Lima, Ohio. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of where that is, but it is two hours away in the middle of nowhere, y'all. Like, there are cows in our backyard. Like, there is nobody around. The hangout place is Walmart. So there's not a whole lot around there. And um, we moved back home when I was in fourth grade because I was born there, and then we moved to a town called Oxford, 
where Miami University is, and then we ended up moving back. And when we moved back there, um, I didn't really know how to, how to shake the change, right? I was young, I was in fourth grade, and I didn't really know what was going on. And so I ended up going into the school, and as a kid, ironic enough, I struggled with this thing called being an introvert right? And like, I felt like it was a disability. And so I struggled with talking to other people and I struggled with ever putting myself out there. And I was constantly stuck in my head. And so when I went to school and I had this, this opportunity to, to get new friends, I didn't even want to do that because I didn't even know how to say hi to somebody else. If somebody else were to say hi to me in the hallway, if somebody else were to wave their hand at me, I would have shut down. My immediate reaction would have been look at the floor and act like you didn't see them. And so when I went to school there, um, there, there was a lot of things that I struggled with, and one of those things were comparison. And a lot of times we talk about comparison, and a lot of times we think about it as this thing that's just like, yeah, it's probably not healthy. But this is the very thing that led to my depression later on in life. So I would walk through the hallways, and I would see other people, and I would look at their lives, and I would feel like, how come they, every single day, are totally fine? They aren't struggling with anything. They don't seem to struggle with anything behind closed doors. They don't seem to struggle with insecurity. They seem to be outgoing. They seem to have everything going for them. But meanwhile, behind closed doors, I'm struggling with myself. I'm struggling with my happiness. I'm struggling with my stability. I'm struggling with even figuring out who I am. And so I walked through the, through, the, through the hallways of my school every single day, and I was constantly questioning who I was. But because I didn't ever allow God to answer that for me, the world told me who I was. Now, when that happened, when the world started telling me who I was, I began to gain an identity that was not me. When that happened, the anxiety came. When that happened, the depression came. When that happened, the suicidal thoughts came. When that happened, I started to lose myself. And when that happened, I didn't know who I was anymore. So in that, I was looking for comfort. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a place where you're longing for comfort and the, the Lord is right there and he's offering it for you, but we go somewhere else, right? And so in that, I, I was looking to these other people to be able to provide comfort for me in a really hard season. In sixth grade, my parents got divorced, and um, my mom, she ended up moving away. And now as, as a sixth grader, I was trying to figure out kind of what this meant for me, right? Like, what does it mean if you're growing up and you don't have that woman figure in your life anymore? Like, what does that mean for you? Like, what does that mean for you as a daughter? And so I was looking for comfort, and I was looking for a motherly nurture outside of the places that God had for me. And when that started happening, I started getting involved in the crowd, and I started getting involved with people that um, they didn't care about my well-being. And so I was that kid that went through high school, and she went through junior high, and she never cussed, right? She never drank. She didn't even really know what alcohol was. She, she tried to do everything by the book. But there came a breaking point when, I, when I, was, I was tired of pretending that everything was okay, and I started losing it. I was drinking constantly. I was smoking weed. I was partying. I was not caring about my family, and I was not caring about myself. So I was looking to other people to fill this void that only Jesus could fill. When that happened, I got to my lowest low. When I was 18 years old, I was sitting in my room, and I was struggling with thoughts of depression and suicide. At that moment, the enemy will say to you, 
that your pain is better off if you're dead. The enemy will say to you that you'll finally be able to prove to people that you are loved if you have a funeral because at least people will show up for that. The enemy will say to you that other people aren't going to understand and that it's never going to get better. And you're going to be in a place of numbness and you're going to be in a place of defeat. And what he's going to do is he's going to come to you and he's going to say, this is your new home now. And whatever season that is that you're struggling in, he's going to come to you and he's going to say, this is your home now. That depression, that fear, that anxiety, whatever it is that you're struggling with. If you feel like you don't have purpose, if you feel like you don't have passion, what he does is he comes to you and he meets you where you are. But instead of pulling you out of the bucket, he pushes you down further. So what I did is I gave into it. On that night, I grabbed my car keys and I told my father that I was going to a friend's house. I got in my car and I went to Walmart and I was actually talking to an associate and I was asking her what the strongest sleeping medications were. Now I told her that I struggled with sleeping and she genuinely wanted to help me. So she pointed me to these sleeping medications and I grabbed them off of the shelf because the enemy told me that this was my way out. And I got into my car and I overdosed on I don't even know how many y'all. And of all places, the one place that I drove to <laughs> was church. Now, a little background story. I didn't necessarily grow up going to church. I didn't necessarily grow up knowing who Jesus was or what Jesus was. I knew of Jesus as kind of like the Bible, and that thing intimidated me because it's a big book, and I was not a reader. And I got to this church, and I got to a point where I felt my heart beating like it's never beat before. And I laid there and I put my head back and I started wondering if this was really what I wanted. And as I was sitting there and I was questioning if this was actually my way out, the same girl who wasn't sure if she believed in God, the same girl that never read the Bible a day in her life, and the same girl that didn't go to church heard a voice so loud say to her in that car, sit up. In that moment, my eyes opened up, and I, my body, literally, you guys, I, I don't know how to explain it, physically sat up. Complete sheer terror in my body because I had no idea what that voice just was. I was sitting there in my car, and I was trying to figure out, okay, what was that? In that moment, I heard the voice call 911. I couldn't breathe and my heart was racing and I didn't know if this is what I actually wanted to do. And then I immediately started having flashbacks of my brother finding out that his sister committed suicide. And in that moment, I was not able to fight for myself, but I was able to fight for my loved ones. And in that moment, I picked up the phone and I called. And there's going to be times in your life when you are at the bottom and when you are at the pit. And Jesus says, call me. He says, pick up your phone. And he says, call me. And you have the opportunity to lay your head back and take your last breath. Your last breath of life, your last breath of passion, your last breath of purpose. And you can sit up and you can see what happens if you call. Or you can lay back 
and you can give up. And the Lord says this thing to me, and I felt this strongly when I was praying over today. He was saying, you are breaking generational chains. And there are some of you guys that are in here today and you wake up every single day and you're like, why am I struggling with depression? Why am I struggling with people not accepting me? Why am I struggling with being miserable at work? Why am I struggling with anxiety? Why have I not found the one yet? Why am I struggling with this health problem? Why did my family member leave me? Why is my family member sick? Why is he not getting better? And God says, if you would just call me and believe... He says, if you would just lay your hands on him and believe, I would show up. But we put him in a box. We treat God as if he was the very person in our life that hurt us and left. And we never give him another chance. But you see, you can break up with the Lord 642 times and he will still show up the next time. And you can leave his driveway and you can pull out of that driveway and you can never look back. But he will still always open the door when you show up. No matter how long it has been, no matter how many years you have gone, no matter how many prayers you have skipped, no matter how many times you've struggled with with the suicidal thoughts, no matter how many times you've contemplated giving up, he will still open the door every single time. He will still show up in your life every single time. And so I struggled with this thing called blame. And I would blame God for the circumstances in my life. I would blame him for the pain that I was going through. And I would confine him to this box of a Sunday service. And I thought that in order for me to get close to God, I had to act a certain way, I had to look a certain way, I had to come from a certain family, and I had to attend a certain amount of Sunday services. Because that's what the world tells us, right? This is what your relationship with him looks like. And I was talking to Nick about this a few, actually it was like a couple years ago, and I was saying to him, I said, brother, I am am going to get closer with Jesus now. And he said, okay, how are you going to do that? My answer was, well, I'm going to spend more time with the Lord, right? Is that what I said, brother? I'm going to spend more time. And, And this thing happens when the spirit hits him, and you can tell that something's about to be prophetic, and you just shut up. And I saw this spirit hit him. And he leaned in, and he said, Alyssa, it's not about how much time you spend with Jesus. It's about your focus. It's about your focus on him. And as I walk through life and as I've been going through some of the things that I'm going through, I ended up moving down here to Northern Kentucky University because I felt extremely called one day to move down here and to study production and film. And when I did that, God provided. He provided. But the thing is in the Bible, We always pray, God, will you multiply this? God, would you just multiply this? The thing that I'm broken, the thing that I'm hurting, God, would you just take this and would you just multiply your strength in my life right now? But as I was reading this the other day, when Jesus fed, what happened for him to feed all of those people is first they had to place the bread in his hands. First, they had to 
give him the fish. You see, if you're struggling right now and you're wondering, God, where are you at? And you're wondering, God, why aren't you showing up? And you're wondering, God, I need you to multiply this. God says, I multiply when you release. And it's when you take that bread, it's when you take that depression, it's when you take that weakness, it's when you take that pain, and when it's when you walk over to him and you say, God, here it is, that he multiplies it. But we hold on to our pain, and we clench on to it, and then we approach him in our prayers, and we say, God, would you multiply this? God, would you multiply my life? God, would you multiply my strength? And he says, baby, if you would just give me that pain. Baby, if you would just give me that weakness. If you would just open your hand. I will meet you there. I will meet you there. But it's not until that palm is open that he's able to take it and he's able to feed the thousands. It's not until we give him that pain that he's able to take it, and he's able to instill healing. So, I kind of had to figure out who God was on my own. It wasn't something that necessarily a lot of people came into my life and said, this is who Jesus is. I kind of got to a point where I was at my lowest low, and I was sitting in the psych ward because of my attempted suicide. And I realized I had tried everything in the world except for this. So in that moment, I decided if the boyfriend couldn't help me, if the friends couldn't help me, if the drinking couldn't help me, if the weed couldn't help me, if the social media couldn't help me, if me trying to gain acceptance couldn't help me, I guess I'll give this last resort a chance. So when I started seeking him out and I started giving him my focus, my life changed. And it wasn't because I was at church every Sunday. And it wasn't because I was perfect. And it wasn't because I came from a Christian family. And it wasn't because I had all the answers. But in the moment that I truly decided to seek my creator, my creation changed. Because there are parts about you that he knows, and there are parts about you that he designed, that he is able to reach that that boyfriend cannot, that he is able to reach that that alcohol cannot, that he is able to reach that that trophy cannot. He knows the places and the depths of your soul, and he is able to reach it in a way that nobody else can. But so often we shut him out. So often we, we, we shut ourselves out of the presence of God. Because we think, well, tomorrow I'll give him a chance. We get into this place where we, we start giving up on our faith, and this is where the enemy creeps in. He'll, he'll help you do it one day at a time. Because if you ever notice yourself drifting away from the Lord, it's not something that happens overnight. This is something where the enemy will come in and he'll say, you know what, you're too tired tonight. You just go to sleep. This is something where, where the enemy will sneak in and he'll say, you know what, you should blame God for that one. You know what? You should, you should just skip out on that prayer. You should just, that, that thing that you're holding on to, you should just skip out on giving that to him. Just, 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 just hold on to it for a little bit longer. What he will do is he will meet you in your life where you are right now, and he will tell you that very thing that you're struggling with, you should hold on to. And it's a one-day-at-a-time situation. 
and that one day at a time adds up. And then the next thing you know, you're 30 days in not talking to the one who heals your soul every single day. And then you're 60 days in, and then you're 90 days in, and then you're sitting there and you're wondering, why am I complacent? Why am I numb? Why is my circumstance like this? But if you would just release, he will multiply. If you would just give to him. As I was preparing for this message, um, I was just asking God what it is that you guys need to hear and what I need to hear because I need the Lord just as much as you guys do. And he revealed to me the season that I have been in of numbness and sometimes struggling to be in his presence. This place where you'll be like, okay, I'm going to go pray to the Lord, but I'm not hearing anything. This place where you're like, okay, I'm going to go worship or I'm going to go pray, but I'm not feeling anything. And it seems like it's an everyday thing where you're like, I'm, I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm, I'm trying to pursue Jesus. But right now, I feel nothing. But right now, God seems silent. But right now, when I sit on my bed and I approach him, I'm not hearing his voice. But meanwhile, I'm looking around and my friends seem to be able to perfectly connect with him. But meanwhile, I'm looking around and everybody else seems to be okay. But meanwhile, I'm looking around and these mentors around me and these friends around me seem that they are able to connect with God on a level that I'm not. And then I wonder why. Why is he not answering me? Why, is, why am I not hearing from him? Why am I not feeling anything? I was in Luke 21, verse 34, and it says, But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that are going on to take place and stand before the sun of man. And as I was studying the word and I was trying to figure out where there were different areas that God's people felt like he wasn't showing up. Or maybe different areas where God's people were in captivity or where, where God's, in, God's people, their, their enemies were approaching them and they were on their heels. And meanwhile, they were trying to figure out where God was. And two stories in particular stood out to me. One is in Exodus, and if you don't read the Bible that much, I'll kind of give you a background story. In Exodus, God wanted to deliver the Israelites because they were crying out in their agony and their pain. Kind of like the very people on earth that are crying out to God in their agony and pain every day, saying, God, I'm hurting, would you just take blank? And they were crying out to Jesus, and they were in this place of hurt. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send someone to you to deliver you. In that moment, God sent Moses to help bring his children out of captivity. In that moment, God sent somebody to come bring them into a place of freedom. That's my brother. Praise the Lord. 
But the thing is that so often when God says, okay, baby, I'm going to answer your prayers. I'm going to send someone in to come help you right now. We shut our walls up to the point where we don't even allow ourselves to meet with friends anymore. We don't give them a call. We don't see how they're doing. When we reach out to them, we, when, we, when they reach out to us, we ignore them. When they try to see how we're doing, we ignore them. And God, God wants to help you through his people, but if you're shutting his people out, he can only do so much. So God sent somebody to come help save them, and, and this, it, they got to this point where they were brought out of captivity, and they got to this place called the Red Sea. You could call it the crossover in your life. And in that moment, their enemies, the very thing, their depression, their anxiety, their fear, their wounds, their numbness, their complacency was behind them on their heels. And in that moment, they were saying, why did you bring us this far? You should have just let us die. And God answered through his people and he said, no, 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 no. You see, I know you don't see a way out, but I do. I know you don't see how I'm about to deliver you, but I do. And I'm about to take this thing that looks like it couldn't split, and I'm about to split it wide open so that you can get through. And you're about to be delivered from that depression in Jesus' name. And you're about to be delivered from that anxiety in Jesus' name. And you're about to be delivered from that passionless life in Jesus' name. And you're about to be delivered from that numbness in Jesus' name. Because God sees the way. So he called Moses to use his staff, and the sea was split. In that moment, God's people were able to go through the sea. In that moment, when, his, when their enemies were behind them, as they were walking through the sea, God swallowed their enemies up. And he will swallow your enemies up. And he will swallow your abuser up. But they had to believe and pick up their staff. And they had to point it at the very thing that God said he was going to split. And by faith they believed and by faith they were delivered. The last story that I was looking at when I was asking God about how his people feel. He brought me to this story where Daniel was in the lion's den. And when he was in the lion's den, they sealed the lion's den shut, and they rolled a stone in front of it. And I know that there have been so many times in my life where I felt like life threw me into a den where my enemies were taunting me, where my thoughts were taunting me, and they sealed it shut, and they said, your circumstances will never get better. And in that lion's den, I felt its breath. And in that lion's den, I heard its lies. And in that lion's den, I felt hopeless. And in that lion's den, I was isolated. But what happened is later on, God ended up sealing the lion's mouth shut so that it could not harm his child. And whatever season you're in right now, he is going to seal the mouth of your accuser. He is going to seal the mouth of your abuser. He is going to seal the mouth of your hopelessness. He is going to seal the mouth of your anxiety. He is going to seal the mouth of your depression. But he asks you to just have a little bit of hope. And when you do that, things change. But we put this pressure 
for our circumstances to start changing on their own. And we put this pressure for everything in our life to become better. But God says it's not your circumstance, it's your faith. He says it's not your circumstance, it's your perspective. And your way out of your lion's den, my child, is not your circumstance changing. Your way out of that lion's den, my child, is your faith. And it is when you change your perspective a little bit to see that I have never left you, that you realize that your life is changing. When I felt like I was in the lion's den, when I was sitting in the psych ward, when I was struggling with depression, when I was smoking weed every night, when I was stealing, when I didn't care about my life, God said it was my faith that changed my circumstances. God said it was my faith that would deliver me from my depression. God said it was my faith that would deliver me from the pain that I was in. God said it was my faith that would deliver me from the hopelessness. You see, the depression didn't leave on its own. You see, the pain didn't leave on its own. You see, the PTSD and the night terrors didn't leave on its own. You see, the flashbacks didn't leave on its own. It was my faith that got me through. And if there's anything that the enemy will attack, it will be your faith. And if there's anything that he will attack, it will be your perspective. When I finally had the courage to move down here, it wasn't because I was sure everything was going to be better when I did. But it was because I was sure that the voice of God was leading me here, and by faith I had to believe that there was something here for me. And I went from this child that was depressed, that was suicidal, that was struggling with anxiety, that didn't feel accepted, that had no idea what her call was on her life, working at Applebee's, <laughs> to a girl that's growing into a woman and is getting a degree in college to do the thing that she loves. To a girl that now has two more baby brothers that she never would have been able to met if she would have taken her last breath that night. To a girl that has had the opportunity to somehow speak to as many people as I've been able to. To a girl that has never felt so loved in her entire life and that doesn't mean that I don't have hard days. And that doesn't mean that life is always easy. And that doesn't mean that I, I always hear the voice of God clear but it does mean that God delivered me out of that lion's den. And it does mean that God met me in that bucket. And it does mean that God provided a ladder. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what thoughts you have daily. I don't know what your life is like with your family and if you're close with them or if you're not. I don't know if something happened to you when you were young I don't know if somebody hurt you or abused you. I don't know what that thing was that that person said to you that broke your heart that you still play back every day. I don't know what your biggest regret is. I don't know what your biggest struggles are, but he does. And in that lion's den, he meets you. But the way out is your perspective shift. And even when you don't feel God, 
And even when you're not hearing from him, and even when you're praying and you're not getting a word, and even when you're praying and your circumstances aren't changing, he's still there. And sometimes, y'all, as little kids, we just got to take that pressure off. That pressure to constantly hear everything, that pressure to, to be like the other Christians that you see on TV, that Christian to be this, this person that's super intimate with God, that Christian that hears his voice all the time, that Christian that has no problem in their life. Sometimes we just have to take that weight off and know that God is always God and God will always consistently be in your life. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what pain comes into your life, no matter what thing has happened to you, no matter where your view is, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what season you're in, no matter what prayer God is not answering, he will always consistently be God in your life. And that will never stop. He will always consistently hear you. He will always consistently love you. So in closing today, I have seen the power of God work in my life because I gave him a second chance. I have seen the healing of God happen in my life because I gave him a second chance. And he loves you enough to consistently pursue you no matter how many times you've shut that door and hibernated into complacency. But no matter how much your perspective has changed, his perspective on your life will always be clear. That you are loved and that you are with purpose. That you are with intention. And that you are worthy of his pursuit. So if some of you in here today are in your bucket, you're in a season of not hearing him, you're in a season of not feeling him, if you would just pick up the phone, if you would just have a little bit of faith to know that even in that silence, he's still there. He will reach his hand in and he will pull you out. He will reach his hand in and he will give you something new to hold on to. Let's pray. God, I just come to you right now, and I just give you, Lord, my heart and everybody's heart in this room. You see, God, I don't know exactly what it is that they're struggling with when they get in their car and the thoughts fill their mind. You see, God, I don't really understand what busyness is trying to crowd their life and steal them from the joy of the Lord. You see, God, I don't really understand exactly what thoughts come into their mind when the thoughts tell them, God, that happiness is just a season that came and passed and will never come again. God, I don't know what your children are struggling with when they go into their bedroom and they are alone. God, I don't know what those thoughts are that enter their mind, but you do. So God, in that place right now in their minds, God, in that place right now in their heart, Lord, where they feel the breath of the lion breathing down their back. May they know, God, that they will not be harmed. God, may they know that your hand rests upon them. God, may they know that even in the silence you were there, that even when they pray and they don't hear anything, you were there. So, God, as little children, we come to you. God, we ask you to change our perspective into something new and something fresh. God, those places, those intricate places within us that nobody else could touch, God, but you can. We invite you in. 
because, God, you understand us perfectly. God, we, we accept and we acknowledge your healing. We accept and we acknowledge your hope. And, God, as little children, we smile and we eagerly anticipate what you are doing in our lives. God, deliver us from our enemies and may we rejoice with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Give it up for Alyssa.